0: Welcome to The Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I want to just quickly talk to you about footy chips. Anyone like footy chipping? Anyone footy chipping? Anyone anyone do footy chips? No, footy chips is not for you. Maybe it's more poker, blackjack or the horses maybe. I don't know, whatever it is. But uh, for, for many a year, we used to do footy chips here at church as a staff and it didn't usually go well for me, but that's another story. But I do remember on this glorious day, this, this glorious moment in my life where I, I got 100% of my tipping right, Amen. Amen. praise the Lord. And not only did I get them all right, but I even got the margin right. Oh, on, I got the bonus point for the round and also I got the chocolate bar. Because the winner of the round would get a chocolate bar every week, and and I got to be honest with you, I was I was feeling so good about myself. I didn't just eat that chocolate bar; I flaunted that chocolate bar. <laughs> I just ate it as slow as I possibly could, and just take those big, just, mm, mm, mm. You, you know. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't imagine, but there's just something very empowering about being right. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. I'm right, aren't I? I mean, it's just so good. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not gonna lie, it's a great feeling. And I love being right. I, I, <laughs> I do, I, I love being right. And, and it's probably due to a couple of things. One is because it's part of human nature. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, there's a piece of us that says we love being right too. Can I get an amen? Amen. I want you to preach back to me today. It's going to hit home pretty soon. But the first one is, it's because I'm part of the human race and human nature, we like to be right. So, so I don't have that going for me. But it's even worse than that. It's not only to do with my human nature part, but, but my personality. Every personality test I've done highlights the fact that I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm the guy that likes to be right. It doesn't matter what personality test I've done, I've done uh, the, the Strength Finder. And one of, them, one of my top ones was self-assurance. Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have heard of the Enneagram, but Enneagram's another personality test and it's based upon uh, numbering from one to nine. I'm number eight. And number eight, So, has anyone ever done the test and anyone found themselves to be a number eight? Is anyone a number eight? There's a few number eights there. Well, you know this, like I know this, we love being right. We are just of all the numbers, we are the best at being right. It's just, it's just, it's in my it's in my blood, it's in my DNA, I'm part of, it's my it's part of my nature, it's part of my personality. I love being right. Having said that, I have been around long enough to know that being right is not all it's cracked up to be. And I say that because being right can hurt. Being right can cause just as much pain as it can joy. Parents, you know where I'm going with this. When you look at a child and say, do not touch the hot plate because you will get burnt. And then next minute, there's tears, there's screams as little Johnny didn't listen to you and burnt their hand. And in that moment, you're 100% right. But as a parent, in your rightness, you soon learn that actually it's not that much fun being right at this moment. And any parent that sits in that moment feeling very good about themselves, that they are right and they should have listened, is falling short of what good parenting is all about. It hurts. You're like, yeah, I'm right, but there's not much fun in being right right now. Because I've got to deal with little Johnny's hand. As part of my job, we've been involved in people wanting to get married. And the thing about young people wanting to get married is love is blind. And, and, and there's many times I've had a little course, yeah, I don't know if you should be getting married. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I can't control you. I don't own you. I don't want to manipulate the situation. But gee, there's a few red flags. And they, and they just ignore those red flags. and They do their own thing. And, and then a week or two, a month or two, a year or two down the track, there's problems. There's extramarital affairs, there's divorce and separation. And you sit here as a pastor having seen this over and over and over again. And I promise you, after a while, the novelty of being right soon wears off. It's like, yay, I'm right. I mean, I just heard recently of this very thing happening. And I promise you, there's not much joy in it. Another divorce, another separation, another affair, another problem, another separation. It's just not all it's cracked up to be. The second reason is about being right is not only can it hurt, but it can also hinder. It can hinder. See, our response to being right is often the catalyst of most people's offences. As a result of being right, we can make others feel stupid, kick, inferior, and less valued. I remember being at school and one of the things I hated doing was publicly reading in class. And when you're young and you're developing, I don't know, for whatever reasons, certainly when I was at school, the girls seemed to do school better than the guys. And so we would go around the class and basically you would read until you made a mistake or you ummed or you erred or you ahred And then it would move on to the next person and eventually go right around the room. And and I would sit there just sweating buckets, thinking, oh, I hate this. Anyway, the girls are just killing it. And there was one girl, Julianne McGlade. God bless her. Special place for her somewhere, you know, anyway. And she was just a great reader. And not only was she a great reader, she was great at publicly reading. And she wanted everyone to know, she said, oh, pick me, pick me. So she'd start reading and reading and reading. And the only thing I liked about that is, like, if she keeps going long enough, I won't have to read. But invariably, to give people a chance, the teacher would say, thank you, Julianne, you stop there, because she never made a mistake. She was just perfect. Perfect Julianne. And guess who happened to be sitting next to Julianne McGlay? Me. And I, I promise you, 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 you get almost time, but within five seconds, I'm, I'm done. Because in five seconds, I, I, and often I'd start with, uh, um, the cat. Um. I Tony, next one. And Julianne would look at me like I was the biggest idiot, that I was less of a person, that I was inferior. Anyone else felt like that? Anyone made you feel like that? And it can be the bedrock for offence. But let me ask a more personal question. Have you ever done that to someone else? I promise you, preaching or preparing this message this week sucked for me. I've had so many ouch moments as I'm preparing. If some of you are thinking, Tony better be listening to what he's preaching today. I am (laughs) and I have and I do. And so I want you to bear with me. I'm going to pray because we need prayers this morning. One, for me to preach this, but also for us to hear it. Because there will be some ouch moments if we're truly listening, I believe. And so Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place. Did you give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive your Word? I pray that you would anoint me. That the words of my mouth, the meditation of my hands, and the work of my the meditation of my heart and the work of my hands will be holy yeah. and acceptable yeah. in your sight today, O God. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. "Amen." Well, let's let's turn to the book of Luke. We're going to read a parable that Jesus told. Luke chapter eighteen, verse nine says this: "To some who were confident in their own ability." And righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. It could have read this to all the Enneagram 8s out there and those who had a strong self assurance, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed. Get this for a prayer God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not like them. I'm not like the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers. Man, I'm not even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. Hashtag Enneagram 8. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and all those that humble themselves will be exalted." Jesus tells a story, in actual fact, He told many stories and they had some incredible points. This story is no exception. It's a story of two people, one a Pharisee, one a tax collector. And the Pharisee was this self-righteous person, one of the religious people of the day, some 2000 years ago, and he saw himself as right. Again, this is human nature at work. I'm right and I love to be right. And whenever you're right, guess what? There's always someone who's wrong. Yeah. And so the Pharisee looked at this tax collector and he viewed him as being wrong. I'm right, yeah. you're wrong. How many of you have had a conversation just this week that involved someone being right and someone being wrong? And let me guess, that person who was right was probably you, right? Yeah. But here's the thing, to Jesus, it's not just a matter of right and wrong. I want you to catch this. We're talking about offence and where it all starts. And I think today's message is gonna really hit home as to where offence truly starts. When we understand Jesus' heart, it's gonna help us get unstuck in this area. Because to Jesus, life is not all about right and wrong. It's also about pride and humility. Yeah. It's not just about right and wrong. It's about pride and humility. and <laughs> Humility. Humility. So my subtitle for you today is simply this, when being right leads to becoming wrong. When being right leads to becoming wrong. You see, as Christians, it's easy to slip into spiritual pride. And if you're not convinced, let me highlight a few things today about pride for you. The first one is simply this, number one, Pride sees the right in self and the wrong in others. The Pharisee in this story was aware of two things how right he was and how wrong the tax collector was. He actually said, Thank God I'm not like him. And I imagine he would be highly offended if someone suggested to him that he'd had done something wrong. You see, this Pharisee in the story could see everything except his pride. And that's where he went wrong. Does that make sense? And as Christians, I think, we think it's our job to be right, do right and live right. And that in and of itself is not necessarily wrong, but it does create some problems if pride is driving those things. And because we're so right, we get so easily offended by those that are wrong. And it happens in every area of life. You think about politics. We have a stance on who we believe is the best party to vote for. And when we find out someone else didn't vote for the same party that we voted for, we say that they are wrong and we are offended by the fact that they would vote for somebody different than us. So I'm very quiet this morning. It happens in church. We sit there. And we say, "Oh, the teaching here is too shallow. It's far too practical." And we get offended that it's not deep enough. We get offended that the music's too loud, that it's not theologically sound. Because we are so right, it means everyone else is wrong, and as a result, we get offended. It happens amongst ourselves. We look at people up and down and we say, look at what she's wearing. Call yourself a Christian. And we get offended. We get offended by what people wear. We get offended by what people say. We get offended by what people do. That's what pride does. It sees the right in us And it sees the wrong in others. Am I speaking to anyone here today? Secondly, pride focuses on external appearances, not on internal realities. The Pharisee in this story, he was right. He knows he's right. And he's happy to tell everyone just how right he is. I tithe, I fast, I go to church. And again, I think we are guilty of doing the same thing. Because if we're honest, we think our way is the right way. That's why we do it. For example, we think that we have the best version of the Bible. And as a result of having the best version of the Bible, everyone else should be reading that. And so those King James Version, lovers of the Bible, look down on everyone else who's not reading the King James Version because that's the real version. That's the right one. Has anyone else ever experienced that moment? That conversation has happened to me many times in church life. Why do you read from the NIV? It's not the real version. And then they go further. They use a real Bible, a proper Bible, one with a cover and pages, not like these electronic Bibles, they don't count. They are right. Everyone else is wrong. And as a result, offence begins to happen. Can can I just tell you a few things about me today? Will you permit me some, just just a moment. A little bit of boasting. Just a little bit of letting you know just how good I actually am. Is that okay? Permission to speak. Do you know I read my Bible every day? You know, I, I've actually never left a church. I've been involved in church life since I was an early teenager and I've never left a church. The church I kept, got saved into planted us out and so I've actually never left a church. I, I've never slept with another woman other than my wife. I work out five times a week sometimes six. (laughs) Kath and I clock up 25 to 30 Ks every week walking. I eat healthy. I have a high protein, low carb diet. I've never been drunk. I've never done drugs. All of our kids are not only in church, but serving Jesus. Question. How how many people right now want to be more like Jesus? How many people just think I'm a jerk? Everything I just told you is true. Everything I told you is right. But none of you got closer to Jesus. None of you love Jesus more because I walk a certain amount every morning. Big deal. Good on you. And yet it's all true. But that's the trouble with pride. It focuses on the outward and overlooks the inward. And it misses the fact that actually, I'm not actually helping anyone. And often our external is just masking an internal struggle or an internal problem. Thirdly, pride judges well, but loves poorly. Pride judges well, but loves poorly. See, the Pharisee certainly didn't love others. He actually said, thank God I'm not like other people. Yeah, yeah. Now again, please, this is a story Jesus told, but let's not miss the reality of us in that story. Yeah. The best way to read the Bible is to assume you're not Jesus in the story, you're the other guy. If says, oh, I hope those disciples listened. This Pharisee, he not only says, "I thank God I'm not like others," but he he actually names and shames these other people. Yeah, yeah. He actually goes on record, go and just in case these people don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about you, Robert. I'm talking about you, evil doer. I'm talking about you, adulterer. I'm talking about you, tax collector. He names and shames those ones. Judging well, loving poorly. He exalts Himself. And when you exalt yourself and when you think you're right, this is what you're saying. Not only am I right, but being right means I'm innocent. Mm. And proud people never take responsibility of their actions. It's never their fault. Have you noticed that? Yes, I punched Him in the face, but it's His fault because He was talking during the movie. He exalts Himself, but He judges others. When you judge others, you're saying not only that they're wrong, but by being wrong, they are guilty, which means it's always their fault. When you're right, you're innocent and it's never your fault. When the others are wrong, they're guilty and it's always their fault. It could look like you didn't say hello to me at the shops. I promise you, if any of you see me at the shops, unless I've got my glass on, all I see is like fuzzy trees walking. That's all I see. So if you're waving to me, all I see is trees blowing in the wind. That's all I see. But if you're so right, you come up with questions like, or statements like, how rude. He ignored me, which means he doesn't like me. And not only at that moment do we feel offended, we feel justified. Because I waved, they ignored me, that's rude, they're wrong, I'm offended, but it's okay because I'm right. And I promise you there's a lot of blind people like me out there didn't even see you. See the truth is, our hearts are deceitful. Jeremiah 19, uh, 17, verse 9 says it this way The heart is deceitfully, sorry, the heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? It goes on to talk about who does understand it, and it's God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to help discern the deceit in our heart. And, and here's a newsflash you and I aren't as right as we think we are. More often than not, we are wrong. And even if you are doing well, and even if you are more right than others, here's a better question, are you loving more? Because this is what I know, proud people don't love well. Proud people don't love well. See, people aren't drawn to our superior morality. Just because you're right doesn't mean that you are making a difference. Just because you're right doesn't mean that you are loving more. Jesus was 100% right. He never sinned and yet He drew people to Himself. He connected with those that were far from God. The man who never sinned, the man who was always right, connected with those that were wrong. And they loved Him for it. He was invited to parties, parties of sinners. He mixed with lepers. He helped adulterers. He even didn't mind hanging around cheating tax collectors. And yet He was always right. See, Jesus didn't make them feel wrong. He made them feel loved. Unfortunately, we don't love like this. Why? Because we're too busy trying to be right and do the right thing. And and, and here's the cycle of being right. When, When we aim for I'm right, it often leads to feelings of moral superiority. When you make being right the goal, it can tend to cause us to miss the mark because we just feel better about ourselves. Like I did when I won the footy chips. I, I've got to be honest; I just felt so good about myself. And that's the trouble with being right. It makes us feel morally superior. And, and that leads to becoming judgmental. Because when you feel morally superior, you feel better than someone, now you become judgmental of others. And that leads to becoming easily angered and easily offended. Which is the opposite of what Jesus was. When this woman, who I referenced last week, was caught in the act of adultery and brought before Jesus, what we read is that there were the men in the story that were right and a woman that was wrong. I don't know how you commit adultery without anyone else in the room. Apparently the man wasn't around, I don't know. But the men felt very justified in bringing this woman to Jesus because they were right and she was wrong. And Jesus, who was 100% right, who never sinned, didn't judge her, didn't belittle her, didn't make her feel less than human. What did He do? He loved her. He didn't judge her. He loved her. And she felt loved. She felt grateful. And she felt forgiven. That's the goal. Because when we feel forgiven, we don't have feelings of moral superiority, we have feelings of profound gratitude. Yeah. If you're forgiven and you know you're forgiven, it should lead to feelings of profound gratitude, which leads to becoming more accepting. When we live forgiven, we become more accepting of others. And that leads to overflowing with love. See, those that are forgiven much, Love much. Let me read another story that Jesus told. It's found in Luke chapter 7, verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, He said. Verse 41 says, Two people owned money to a certain moneylender. One owned 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So He forgave the debt. Of both. Question, which one of them will love more? Simon replied, I suppose the one with the bigger debt. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then He turned toward the woman that was in the house of this man, Simon, and said, you see this woman? Said, I came into your house, Simon. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown. Now, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus was a great storyteller, as I've already mentioned, and used these stories to make profound statements and a profound impact into people's lives. And he asked the question which one do you think would be more grateful? And Simon had enough wisdom to say, well, probably the, the person who had the bigger debt cancelled. Mm. And so we come up with this phrase those who have been forgiven much love much. But the deeper truth of this story is this: we have all been yeah. forgiven yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. There's no little forgiveness yeah. been extended to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus gave forgiveness, and he yeah. gave it in much. Yeah. He gave it in bucketfuls. All of us, myself included, have been forgiven so much, so so much. We've all been forgiven the same. The problem is we don't all appreciate the same. Our faith starts to wane when we lose our appreciation for what Jesus has done. See, Jesus wasn't always about right and wrong. He also highlighted the difference between pride and humility. And I believe that the bedrock and the foundation of most of our offences, it begins and is birthed in pride because we think we are better, we think we are righter, we think we are greater than others and we take offence at those that are wrong. And it's a challenge for me this morning to share this message as I'm sure it is for us to hear this message. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. There is a solution to our pride. There is a solution to our problems. The question is, are we gonna humble ourselves to receive that solution? This is what I know about proud people. Proud people are easily offended and they don't love well, and that's why the Bible tells us on many occasions that we need to humble ourselves, yeah. that He may lift us up so that we can make a difference. Can the band come up? That'd be fantastic. Question this morning, how are you going in your pride journey versus your humility journey. This series has not been an easy series to preach, as I'm sure it's not been an easy series to listen to, uh, but it is a profound one nonetheless. Can you imagine what this church and the Big C church could look like if we took to task this particular thought, this particular series, and worked on these areas, and humbled ourselves on a daily basis, because what I know is that being right can be really unhelpful. Being right can blind ourselves to areas of pride, and being right can blind ourselves to areas that we're just plain wrong. This tax collector saw everything about others. He was aware of all the things that he did that was good and right, but he never saw his pride. He never saw just how wrong he was. Can you imagine this proud uh, Pharisee? Can you imagine pointing out to him that this is where you're going wrong? He would be offended to think that you think he's done anything wrong. But the reality is he was in the wrong. And in order for him to see it and change it, he would have to humble himself. And it's when we humble ourselves, God is in the business of lifting us up. But if we want to lift ourselves up, then we will experience a fall. Will you stand with me this morning? I don't know about you, but I thank God for Jesus. I wanna make it a daily ritual, a daily pattern of my life. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I have faced in the past, thank God for Jesus. The fact that I get to live this incredible life, do this incredible job, I don't deserve it. It's not like every day I'm alive, I get closer to deserving. I don't deserve it. I never will deserve it. And nor will you. And that's humbling. It's not because of my good works that I stand before you today. It's because of His good works. It's not because of my good works that I stand forgiven. It's because of His good works. And that church is true for every one of us in this room and everyone watching online. The question is, are we gonna humble ourselves? Are we gonna surrender to this truth? There but for the grace of God go each and every one of us. My life could look so differently if I was born into a different family in a different time, in a different country, different parents, who knows? But for the grace of God. And if you've been walking with Jesus for some time, as I have, never lose the wonder, never lose the joy, never lose your appreciation for who He is, because what awaits you is pride and offence and hurt and pain and cynicism and becoming critical. But if we can stay humble, if we can stay humble. Oh, for me, All of a sudden, when you stay humble, most of the questions that we're arguing over today don't even exist. Should you come to church? Do I have to come to church? Do I have to give? When you stay humble, those questions get answered because this is the least I can do. The least I can do is go to church on a Sunday to honour the One who set me free, who saved me. The least I can do is set aside some of money in accordance with my income because of what He has done for me. It's not a question for me because I wanna stay humble. And remember, it's not about what I did, it's about what He did. He is worthy of all glory, of all honour. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place right here, right now to remind us of Jesus, to remind us of who He is, and to remind us of what He's done. Father, we surrender pride today. We humble ourselves before Your mighty hand in order that You may raise us up, that we may be raised up with gratitude. We may be raised up in joy, raised up in hope, raised up in peace, raised up in new life afresh today in Jesus' mighty Name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.